a listener production. Hi, and welcome to Broadsheet Melbourne Around Town. I'm Broadsheet's editorial director, Katja Vuchtel, and the host of this short guide to Melbourne. Today we're paying a visit to one of the city's most talked about ice cream shops. It was started by chefs who spent time working in the kitchens at top Melbourne restaurants, including Sunda and Maha. But first, this weekend, the Affordable Art Fair returns, and we've got a preview from the fair's director. The Affordable Art Fair is the world's largest art fair organiser, and this year it returns to the Royal Exhibition Building with more than 50 galleries exhibiting over four days. You'll be able to shop thousands of artworks from emerging and established artists with prices starting as low as $100. By creating a platform for buyers to browse and buy artwork at accessible price points, the annual fair challenges the assumption that the art world has to be intimidating in big white boxes and very, very expensive. Today, the Art Fair's director, Georgia Hustis, joins us to chat about what to expect. Welcome, Georgia. Thanks, Katja. Why is the Affordable Art Fair so different to other art fairs? I mean, it's in the name, but it it's also the feeling, right? Yeah, I guess it's that we want everyone to feel really welcome. Um, and it is that accessible feeling of walking into an art space and feeling like you can come in, ask questions, know what's in your price range, um, and also not feel like you do have to buy something. You can come and enjoy enjoy the space, have a glass of bubbles, bring the family. It's just a really welcoming space. Yeah. So many of those art fairs, which which I love for their own reasons, you walk in and you think, I'm definitely not buying this artwork because everything starts at about $5,000. But also you are surrounded by people who are serious collectors and the gallerists know them and you, you don't really know where you fit in. Whereas the affordable art fair, which I've been to before, you walk in, you can really get involved with the gallerists and have a chat. No one's there trying to hustle. It's just about enjoying art and giving people access to something they might not otherwise get access to. Which other cities does the fair occur in? Because it's not just a Melbourne fair. Yeah, so I think by next year we'll have 15 different cities. So, uh, I mean, all of our us fair directors get together every year and it's this sort of melting pot. So you've got uh, Hamburg, Brussels, Amsterdam, Singapore, Hong Kong, three in London, New York, uh, soon to launch in Austin as well. You've worked in art fairs and galleries and public institutions around the world, I mean, here in Melbourne, but also in London and New York. So tell us about your journey before arriving at the Affordable Art Fair and how you got into curation. I actually started here in Melbourne working for a local auction house after studying creative arts and then decided I, you know, had the bug, went over to London and worked for an Australian gallerist over there. Um, And it was through working for that gallery that uh, we had galleries in London and New York and we did art fairs. So I do 28 art fairs a year. So I guess every two weeks I was in a different city. Um, and that is just where the love for art fairs developed and the idea of coming back to Melbourne to have an art fair here that I was so loved working at overseas was a huge draw card to come back. So how did you go about choosing the galleries for the affordable art fair in Melbourne? And tell us about some of the ones you're really excited about. It'll be our fourth year here now and they've kind of become family galleries. We sort of are growing these galleries. Um, You've got galleries that have shown at our fairs overseas for years and years and years but this year in Melbourne we've got 22 new galleries that have never shown with us here in Melbourne. Do you go and seek those out or they came to you? Yeah a lot of it's seeking out and saying you know have you heard about us what do you think? A lot of it's helping people feel confident about showing work in such a public way 
they also might be online galleries and it's like they don't have a physical space. How do you feel about having a physical space? And like a gallery like Sarah Bertels is an art advisor from the Blue Mountains and she runs her gallery from her home. Each year her stand has just got a little bit bigger and like last night we were chatting and she's saying like, oh, I've got this enormous space here that I have for a week um, and she does, you know, Sydney, Melbourne and it's just about having that physical shop shop front, I guess. That's uh, interesting as well because, you know, an art advisory isn't necessarily a commercial gallery. So it means that as someone travelling through that fair, you actually are getting to interact with different kinds of people. And yeah. of course, an art advisor is very different to a commercial gallerist in that they're not trying to necessarily sell a certain artist or gallery. They're really thinking about what's right for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Sarah is someone who's come from programming at MCA or being a teacher and she's had a bit of a career change. She's got four kids and it's just like amazing that she can have this platform for a week or two weeks. And as our fairs grow across Australia, she kind of picks up a few more which other galleries do you think are worth shouting out? I know it's like choosing babies, but it, it is. But like they're all they're all favourites. And what I love is that like it's all about that discovery. And like sometimes a new artist will come in, and you'll just be so excited. You're like, what is that in the corner of your stand? Or what did you apply with on that tiny JPEG from a gallery I've never met in Queensland? And then meeting them at the fair is really exciting. So someone like Sketchco Gallery, um, Caroline started that gallery two years ago and her first fair was with us in Sydney. She's now with us here in Melbourne with a much larger booth and she doesn't sell anything over 3,000 at our fair. So she's got over 100 works at the fair and I'd say 80 of them are all under $1,000. If you are not a collector necessarily or haven't spent much time around art, that might seem like a lot. But that is the starting point for a lot of commercial galleries. You'll walk in and maybe they might have a smaller work for 1500 and then it kind of jumps very quickly up to three, five, six thousand dollars $6,000 and beyond. Whereas the prices at the fair, you can grab something wonderful and original for $100. Yeah, so we'll have limited edition prints for $100 and we say 100 to 10000 but this year we've got like original graphite drawings for $45. One of our artists is uh, a little bit shy and decided she'd like to create these drawings from within inside an ATM. So you put in what you'd like her to draw and for $45 she spits out an original drawing. Um, yeah, there, there is a real range. We've got stickers for under 500 under 1000 to kind of help you. But my, like the fun of... Just to confirm for people, yeah. you don't buy the sticker for 100 <laughs> That's just indicating what, yeah, that's yeah. just the sticker that sits underneath the artwork. Yeah, and I guess that that is the thing that everything at the fair is labelled. So yeah. everything has a price label. So often, you know, you might be in a gallery and thinking like, can I afford this? I love this, but I don't know if it's $100 or $100,000. So... This and it's hard to ask sometimes. Yeah. And what, we, what I say to our galleries is like have a really open presence and make sure people feel like they can ask you any question about framing, delivery or how they'd hang it on their wall or what it might look like. And it is sort of art for your home, I would say. One of the things I love about art fairs is wandering through and as you just alluded to before, you see something in the corner of your eye and you think, who is this person? And it's someone that's young and emerging, you haven't heard of them before and then you start to speak to the gallerist and they're like, oh, this person, you know, just came out of art school and this is what they're doing. I love that part of an art fair and I think of the art world in general. You have got a young talent platform at the fair to specifically shine a spotlight on the work of five local creatives. So tell us about those people. Yeah, and that that's sort of the fun bit of the fair because I bring, we bring galleries together, we bring sort of artist collectives together and this is sort of our chance to bring artists that aren't at that, that gallery stage yet and they're often picked up by our galleries pretty quickly at the fair. 
Um, so this time we've got Liv McCartan, RMIT graduate, really painterly work. She'll be painting live on site just to show her process at the fair. She's always wearing like a, a rainbow pair of flares and has she also works as a florist. So she's done this series of um, tiny, tiny oil paintings, really kind of macro florals. Um, you've got Chris Henderson, who's from Beechworth, who's doing these almost like Albert Tucker-esque sort of inspired landscapes. You're making uh, me want to get there <laughs> super fast before these things get scooped up. Yeah. And I guess like he's, he's got lino cuts for $180, but, and he's done them all in his bedroom. He's living in Collingwood at the moment. And, you know, I've just seen videos of him working with the lino press in his bedroom. And it's like, it is that chance to find something that you've never seen before. A really great opportunity, I think, for those who, like myself, spent many years with posters on my wall, which are great as well. But an original artwork is something particularly special and it's something that you look at in your home and often think about, you know, those, the original artworks that I own, they bring me great joy all the time and I spend quite a bit of time, you know, I'll go past them in the hallway and be like, oh, God, I love that work. Yeah, and they, they hold a feeling. So the fair is returning to the Royal Exhibition Building this year after being at the Exhibition Centre last year. It must be exciting to be back in that beautiful space. Yeah, absolutely. You just walk in there and you, you look at the artwork and you look up at the ceiling and it's all hand-painted and it's sort of how art should be shown if, if it can. Like, it is the oldest building. It is so spacious and it feels like a real treat to be back there. So aside from the art, this year's program also includes interactive workshops. There are artist demonstrations. Georgia just mentioned some of the live painting that will be going on. There are guided tours and, importantly, there are activities for kids. So don't let the fact that you've got your kids with you this weekend stop you from getting down to see some wonderful art and discovering some incredible new artists. Georgia, where can people buy tickets and find out more information? Yeah, so affordableartfair.com on the Melbourne page, um, all tickets online via Eventbrite, and you can buy a ticket on the door as well. So nice and easy. The Affordable Art Fair runs until Sunday 3rd of September at the Royal Exhibition Building in Carlton. Tickets range between $17 and $45, and there's free entry for kids under 16. Thanks, Georgia. Thank you. Caraton Sorbets is one of Melbourne's newest gelato shops. It's been incredibly popular, so much so that they've already opened a third venue in a very short time. Audrey Payne, Broadsheets Food and Drink Editor in Melbourne, is here to tell us about the third outpost, and it's very exciting fit out, which sounds right up my alley. Anything that's 1970s inspired is up my alley. Audrey, welcome. Thanks. So tell us a little bit about the history of Carrotton for those who may not have heard of it before. Yeah, so John and Mike are the founders. They both have pretty impressive backgrounds um, working at Sundar and Maha between them. Um, they started Caraton during COVID. So it started as a delivery service um, and they opened their first store in Footscray in 2021, opened in the city last year in Chinatown and a couple of weeks ago opened in Glen Waverley. The lucky folks of Glen Waverley mm-hmm. now get one on their doorstep. This is not just an everyday gelato shop. They are focused on flavours from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about that. I had a friend tell, tell me the other day, like, they're never going to do a boring ice cream flavor. Um, so they do do Filipino-inspired flavors like ube. They have a durian chiffon flavor. They have a pandan flavor. Um, they're all pretty loaded and stuffed with other things. I got a mango gelato from there a few weeks ago now, and it has, like, little bits of cookie in it, little swirls of fudge and, you know, a bunch of things. So they don't just do, like, basic plain flavors. There was one described in our story which was matcha gelato mm-hmm. with raw chocolate and azuki bean paste. That mm-hmm. just sounded 
so good. And I'm usually a bit of a simple gal. I love my chocolate gelato. Yeah. <laughs> but that that kind of that wooed me because I thought, oh, those flavors sound good. Matcha and chocolate. Yeah. Perfect combination. And when I was interviewing John, one of the founders for the story, he was like, people have been asking us for matcha for a long time. So we've we finally had to put it on. It's one of their um rotating for nightly specials. Okay, so they've got nightly specials, but then they've also got some flavors I assume that have come from the other the other venues that are popular? So all the venues have the same flavors. Um, so they have 12 scoops available at any time. There's always three vegan options, which is really, like, really cool. Um, and then they do two specials every two weeks. And they also have these, like, amazing handheld treats that are kind of Filipino spins on the classic ice creams you get from the milk bar or, like, convenience stores and things. So, yeah, they're some of my favorite things that they make. Tell us about the fit out because they've yeah. gone all out on this. As far as I'm aware, the mm-hmm. other the other venues don't have this same style. Yeah. So it was cool talking to John actually because they kind of think of their three venues as having three personalities, so to speak. So like the first one, he said it's kind of like homey, Manila vibes. Um, the Chinatown one is more, he described it as an Asian metropolis. So it's kind of futuristic. They have a curved ceiling, which is where they project all the flavors. And then this third one that they've opened was inspired by 1970s Manila. And I'm told specifically the film Austin Powers as well. So there's a bit of a curved, um, quote unquote, groovy mirror. So when we say 1970s, that means you can expect, you know, the floor has pops of pink, the walls are adorned with crystal chandeliers, which are inspired by some of the ornate dresses you might have seen around Manila in the 1970s. Uh, there's also a ceiling that is spray-painted gold. So this, yes. is, this is an all-out store. With, I, I'm told, um, an impressive lighting display that is meant to look like a waffle cone Great. pattern. Yeah. Perfect. Tell us about one of the desserts, the traditional Hello Halo dessert, mm. because that sounds like that's new for them here and, and an interesting one. Mm-hmm. So that dessert is not available in Footscray. They started serving it in Chinatown, but kind of secretly almost, didn't do a lot of promotion around it. So Hello Halo is a pretty familiar dessert for anyone who has been to a Filipino restaurant, is familiar with Filipino cuisine, and it basically means mix, mix, or mix together, um, depending on who you ask. And it is exactly what it sounds like, just a mix of different toppings and ice cream. So usually there is ube ice cream. Ube is a purple yam. So if people have been to Filipino bakeries or restaurants and have seen that really kind of vibrant purple hue in any of cake, any of the cakes or um, other desserts or even drinks, that's most likely ube. Um, and yeah, so there's ube ice cream. There's usually beans. There are the Filipino jellies, um, a lot of fruit that has been kept in a can. So like really kind of soaked in syrup. Yep. Um, sometimes condensed milk and yeah, uh, leche flan as well. So it's a whole mix of ingredients. It's a journey. It's a journey. The one that I want to get as soon as I can Mm. is their version of a Maxibon. Yes. Which is, you know, classic. Australian nostalgia as well. And in that there's malted milk gelato, there's a miso fudge in the middle. 
that that's it. That's, that's all I had that's to. All that's you, all, that's all to, you wanted to say. I, to I mean, I would support that um, so bad. And then that's all sandwiched between these two salted egg yolk biscuits and dipped in a caramelized white chocolate. Yeah, I think their handheld stuff is really underrated. They so also, that's one of the ones you were kind of mentioning. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, they have a cornetto. Yeah, cornetto. which is kind of like a corn chalk top or like a corn cornetto. Um, I love corn ice cream. And they also have a vegan one that is, I think it's a cyclone is the original icy pole and it's cantaloupe, watermelon and honeydew. And it is one of the best things I've ever eaten. Like so unreal. And you really can taste that it's real fruit. It doesn't taste syrupy or artificial or anything. Carrot and Sorbet's Glen Waverley is at 265 Springvale Road in Glen Waverley. It's open Monday to Wednesday, 1pm till 10pm, Thursday and Friday, 1pm till 11pm, Saturday and Sunday, 12pm till 11pm. They're the perfect place to go and get a dessert fix after you've had a meal out on the town. Thanks, Audrey. That's it for today. You can stay completely up to date at any moment of any day at broadsheet.com.au or on Instagram at broadsheet underscore mel. I'll be back again on Friday, same time, same place. Chat then. Listener.